Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,435. Today we're at a spectacular museum on the East Coast. You're going to want to hear this one. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in beautiful Newport, Rhode Island, with a very special guest by the name of Antonio Malagari. Antonio, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am ready to release the clutch. <laughs> no kidding, because you work in an environment where there are a lot of clutches, uh, the beautiful Drain Museum there. We're going to learn a lot more about what you do there and about the museum and all the wonderful videos that you create and a podcast too. But first, I always start by asking my guest this. What's one little thing that people may not know about you, Antonio? And be careful, your bosses are listening. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are listening. So in high school and when I was a kid, I was actually very shy. And for someone who's in the video world and the podcast world, being shy is is a little bit of a, a hindrance to your job. Uh -huh. So in high school, I was trying to break out of my shell. And my cousin is in movies and production and, and in that whole world. And he's like, well, you know what you should do is you should do a musical. And I go, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, you should do a musical. When you get up on stage, you're going to be terrified, but it's really going to help you break out of your shell. And I actually did two musicals in high school, and I followed his advice, and I ended up being the male lead in both of them. Wow. And I didn't know that I could sing and dance. I could sing maybe a little bit better than I could dance. Doing them at the same time is quite difficult. But... um. It was a great experience for me, and it really allowed me to not be afraid to get up in front of people and really break out of my comfort zone and, and do something that, that I didn't think I wanted to do, but I ended up really enjoying it. It was fun. Well, this is a great lesson for anybody who's in any situation, and they always say that, step outside of your comfort zone, and that's where the good things happen. It's really difficult to do, but once you do it, yeah, great lesson for anybody. Do what is uncomfortable, as long as it's legal and nice to other people. And uh, you never know where you may go. <laughs> Very so. true. Very good. I love to hear that story. Well, let me introduce you. We're going to dive into the fun you're having at a spectacular place. Antonio Amaligari. I love that last name. Well, you'll learn why in a little bit. I think he's it's a little... a good Irish name. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Is, there we go. See, you're, you're out of your shell already, so we have no worries about you. Is the media production manager at Audrain Automobile Museum and Collections. In 2018, he started volunteering at the Audrain Automobile Museum and quickly became an intern and was hired full-time in 2020. There's another great trick how to get a job where you want to work. His first task was to start the Audrain Museum Network YouTube channel. 
He now runs the film department that creates two to three long-form videos a week that get posted on the network, inspiring over 45,000 subscribers. Antonio was born in Italy. Ah, that's where the Melagari comes from. And moved to the United States with his family at a very young age. His father introduced him to F1 and MotoGP at a young age. He quickly became obsessed with all things motorsports, sports cars, and superbikes. And in 2021, he and Donald Osborne, who's been on the show many times here, the museum's director completed the Mille Miglia together in a 1940 Seata. The car is owned by a company called Classic Car Charter, and they're based in Italy, and they loan out cars that are eligible for the Mille Miglia and a lot of other great motorsporting events that happen all around the world. Well, that sounds like a fun trip. We're going to learn a little bit about that as well. But first, a word from our sponsors, so we'll take a short break. Keep the seatbelts on, though. It's going to be a fun drive today. We'll be right back. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. Way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. So Antonio, so first and foremost, as we uh, discussed, riding with Donald in the Millimilia in a Seata, oh my gosh, you got to tell me the, I'm sure we could talk an entire show about that, but that must have been a blast. So the Millimilia has been something that has been very, very important to my family. I was born in Brescia, Italy, and that's where the Millimilia starts and ends every year. So when my dad was a kid, he used to watch the cars come into town being a young a young boy in Brescia and he would follow them on his bicycle oh, wow. as far as his legs would take him. <laughs> yeah. And as he got older, he would then follow them with his car as well. So it's always been really important to my family. We moved to the US when I was I was a baby. Basically, my sister was six years older than me. But as you mentioned, you know, with growing up with all this passion coming from my dad, naturally, I kind of picked up on it. 
he had always spoken about the Mill and Millia. And then when I got the, the chance to complete it with Donald, it was a huge honor for my family and especially for my parents here and also my family members in Italy. It's a very, very big deal to do it. And it's unfortunately, it's not something that everybody can do because it's, it's very expensive and it's very grueling and it's a lot to get over there and to complete it. But we were able to do it through the, through the Audrain. And I'm very thankful to Donald and, and, Mr. Shorsh and, and all the people that allowed it, allowed me to do it. I mean, it was, it was wonderful. It was one of the best experiences of my life. It was spectacular. It was so much fun. So was your dad there and did he jump on his bike and try to chase you down the road as you drove away? <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my dad is, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't ride his, his bicycle anymore. He's, he's upgraded. He only rides motorcycles now, okay. but you no, know, he was, he stayed here in the States. But he was so proud of me for doing it, which was super cool. Oh, my gosh. Dream come true. Well, that sounds fantastic. I've had many friends who've participated in that event, and they've all said the same thing. This isn't just a little relaxing ride in the country. It is grueling. Uh, long days. You get up super early. Uh, you drive in all weather. So uh, my hat's off to you, and certainly you're in good hands having Donald sitting there. Uh, did you get some time at the wheel? Yes, I did. So nice. um, through the through. The Audrain, I've been really fortunate to drive a lot of really great cars from all over the years, and also a lot of newer cars that are very, very high horsepower. And I joke that the 1940 Seattle that we were driving with 46 horsepower was the scariest <laughs> car that I've ever driven. Yeah. It really makes you, yeah, it makes you appreciate a modern manual transmission with synchronizers and modern brakes and let alone carbon ceramic brakes and all the crazy stuff that we have now. When you're coming down those mountain roads and you're double clutch downshifting and you, you can't really stand on the brake for too long because it's drum brakes and you don't want to cook them, it's, it's quite a challenge. And you have this massive steering wheel and at slow speed, it's very heavy and, and doesn't turn like a car with power steering. So I, I was very fortunate to have driven it, but it really opened my eyes for these old school racers and how fast they used to go and, and how daring they were to, to really drive those cars was incredible. I, I can't even imagine it. I, you know, I can't either. I got to spend a day in the uh, gold region region of California as part of the Ironstone Concours. And I got to go on a tour in a 1917 Indy car race car. Oh, wow. That's cool. I've driven a lot of cool stuff. I raced vintage cars for years, but that experience, that was frightening. Uh, yeah, I just, I go, how do these guys do this? The brakes, I mean, everything yeah. about it was, but something that we all remember for sure, but the, you gain a deep respect for people that race those cars back when. Well, you did something very clever, young man. I'm going to call you young man because I'm an old man. I can do that. <laughs> and that is that you saw an opportunity and you volunteered to go be a part of something and showed your prowess, showed your expertise, showed your talents and ended up working there. And that is a tremendous way to get into a place. I've had many guests that have done that have gone on to greatness. So my hat's off to you for approaching Audrain that way. Can you talk a little bit before we get into what you do about Audrain Automobile Museum and Collections, what it's all about for anyone who's not had the pleasure of of being there and uh, what it means to you. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that, Mark. The Audrain for me is one of the most wonderful places in, in New England. I'll, I'll go back a little bit with when I was younger, 
if I wanted to go see cool cars, I would have to beg my parents to drive me to a, a car dealership or, you know, we're in Rhode Island. So I'd make them drive me to Miller motor cars in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is over two and a half hours away. So I could go see some supercars. And if, when I got a little bit older and got my license, if I wanted to go to a car meet, I would have to go to the Lowe's parking lot, you know, or the Home Depot <laughs> parking lot. Yeah. There'd be 25 to, to 50 cars there. And a lot of times it's a lot of younger guys and maybe you're not going to see some super spectacular car, which is totally fine. But, um, you know, I've always been, been chasing these, the best of the best cars just to get a glimpse of them or to hear them or those two seconds of seeing a car fly down the road for me, was just so exciting. So back in 2017, 2018, I started going to the Audrain Cars and Coffee and, uh, they were popping up in, in Newport and these Cars and Coffees were often at. Fort Adams, which is down by the the water or uh, different locations in the at the historical mansions in town, and to show up to these cars and coffee and car, cars and coffees and see 100, 200 sports cars and muscle cars and and everything in between and motorcycles was it blew my mind the fact that there were all of these cars in New England, which kind of has a closed off mindset. It's not like Southern California where you see a lot of these cars going all over the place. So it totally blew me away to see all those cars. And then I started doing some digging online and I discovered the museum and I visited the museum. When I went in there, everyone was so welcoming and they did uh, three different exhibits a year. And to see all the different cars and the different machines in there was just spectacular because it really allowed me to explore my passions and go to a place and really learn. So for me, the, the Audrain means access. There's so much access that is being given to uh, the community. It's grown so much and the collection has also grown. I mean, it's, it's about over 500 vehicles now and wow. just to, just to see it grow and to see how much it's benefited the community. I mean, we just did our cars and coffee season just ended we did 26 cars and coffees this year. So basically from April to beginning of November and every cars and coffee had an average of over 300 cars that showed up. You must think you've died and gone to heaven when you think about the history you have of wanting to go to the yeah. lowest parking lot of yeah. a f- few cars. And now you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And then for us, I mean, we, we do obviously we do the cars and coffees and the events and, we do quarterly exhibits now. Every exhibit is different than, than the next. And then we have private events that we do. And then we do our Audrey Newport Concours and Motor Week, which happens at the end of September and the beginning of October. And that brings tens of thousands of people into town. And there's a lot of free events. And then there's seminars. And then there's paid events. And then the cars that come in are just, I, I can't even talk about that because I'll just go on and on of all the amazing vehicles that have been here. And then on my side with our YouTube channel, with all of the educational videos that we're posting each week and um, the podcasts that we're doing. So we're really just trying to share our knowledge and be a destination for people and something for, for people to do and, and really just enjoy themselves and and we want this to be a resource for people so 
So I hope I didn't ramble too much. <laughs> no, <for it. laughs> uh, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, here's this uh, young man who loved cars and had to go so far to see them. Now he's created a life that he's surrounded by them and they come to him. Uh, this is an exemplary example of what I call inspiring automotive enthusiasts and guests who've on my show that have figured out how to wrap their passion into what they love and what they do for a living. And that kind of is a nice segue into what you're doing. So producing these videos, and I love watching them. I watched a few more last night knowing we were going to speak today. How did you get involved in that? So when I was younger, one of the ways that I thought that I would get access to cars was having my own YouTube channel. And I used to do car review videos on my own channel and I would go up to people at Cars and Coffee or if I saw someone with a cool car in town, I'd say, hey, you know, I make these videos. Would you mind if I use your car for a video? And the first couple people were very skeptical about it, naturally. Here's this 16-year-old kid asking to borrow your uh, Porsche GT3 or whatever it is. (laughs) And, um, but it... So I, I made I made a couple of these videos on my own, and I had to teach myself how to edit. And I, I used my iPhone, and I used a GoPro to film this. It was very low budget. And I, I made a handful of those videos, and I actually got to drive a lot of really cool stuff at a young age because I came out with a couple of them, and then people trusted me to drive their cars. So when I was approaching the Audrain um, as a volunteer, ultimately my end goal was to do some sort of YouTube or some sort of video work where I could talk about and present the cars and drive the cars. Because ultimately, driving is my favorite thing in the world. So if this is a way that I can drive a lot of stuff, and this is what I'm going to try to do. So um, I volunteered to run the YouTube channel, and I didn't really know anything about filming and editing. And um, fortunate for me, um, we started to do a series called Mansions and Motor Cars with uh, Jay Leno and Donald Osborne. Jay Leno's producer and longtime friend as well, uh, his name is David Swift, he took me under his wing and he really showed me everything that, that he knew in kind of a crash course the week that we filmed Mansions and Motor Cars together for our first season. And he kind of showed me the way of how do you use a really, I mean, it, it might, it might sound funny to the viewer, but I really didn't know how to use a professional camera. Sure. So he taught me all the basics and he brought me into the editing room basically. And we worked on a couple of videos together and he showed me a lot of stuff. And he also gave me a lot of resources and different YouTube channels and people that I could listen to and learn how to. So I really learned trial by fire, but sometimes that's almost better because when I'm put in an uncomfortable situation is really when I learn. Back to the stage in school, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I really had to learn how to do these things. And I would stay up late after work watching videos on how does this work and, and how do I use this transition in Premiere Pro and how do I balance the audio? And, oh, I imported my footage and... Uh, for some reason, the, the camera didn't record um, the way I wanted it to. Why did this happen? So I really learned a lot. And also, I made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I'll be honest, I made a lot of mistakes, but I learned from those mistakes. And, and then it's just kind of snowballed and it's developed into this really big thing now, which is wild to think about. Well, bravo. I think that's really cool. And how fortunate 
that Donald has a relationship in the museum with Jay Leno and, you know, a guy who his his producer who's been around and done this can. I mean, that's like getting an MBA crash course MBA in film production. Yeah. Uh, which is really, really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've seen this prolification of young people, mostly young people, but older people too, that go out and are creating YouTube channels. And I, I follow a few that have become massively successful with, you know, five, six million subscribers. It's just they have entire careers now of documenting what they love to do. So my hat's off to you. You must pinch yourself every morning you get up and say, wow, this is this is fun. And I get paid to do this too. So how could, how could things be even better? You know, I like to ask people if there's been somebody in their life that's been a huge inspiration or an influence that kind of helped push you along. Has there been somebody like that for you? Yeah, yeah, definitely my my parents. What I really liked about them, I mean, I could say I still like about them, but (laughs) um, when I was younger, they never forced my sister and I to to do anything we didn't want to do. And they introduced us to a lot of different things, whether it was sports or fishing or, you know, in my case, the car and motorcycle stuff. And they gave us a lot of good experiences when we were younger, so we could kind of determine what we like to do. in my sister's case, my sister is essentially a child prodigy when it comes to art. I mean, she can paint, she can draw, sculpt. And now she has her, her own uh, jewelry business where she, she makes custom jewelry. And my parents recognized that she had this artistic gift and they enrolled her in a lot of classes at um, RISD here in Rhode Island and um, private art lessons and, and whatnot. So she could really explore her passion. And then on on my side, I constantly begged them for a dirt bike because I love everything two wheels. And <laughs> when I was like seven or eight, they finally got me a dirt bike. And that was to the dismay of the neighbors, but to the great success of myself. I made my own uh, my own tracks in the backyard and really got to explore that. They really helped us. One thing about them as well is they gave us everything that we ever needed, but they didn't give us everything that we ever wanted. And they taught us when we were young, you know, hey, you want that video game or, you know, you want that new helmet, that's fine, but you got to work for it. So they were really, I don't, I don't think strict is the right word, but they were really um, stern with us about like, hey, you know, you want that, you should, you should definitely go and work for it. And I remember mowing lawns a lot when I was a kid and doing odds and end jobs and helping my grandparents and just always trying to make as much money as I could so I could, you know, buy things for my dirt bike or whatever it was. And I think that really taught us how to work hard. I mean, my very first official job, I was a janitor and, um, that's a hard job. I mean, you don't (laughs) get paid a lot, but that's a really hard job and it's not something that everyone wants to do, but I learned a lot from, from doing that, from doing that job. So I'm very thankful to them for instilling those, uh, lessons in us and, and guiding us along the way. Well, you're very fortunate. Now, challenges are also things that teach us valuable lessons. Is there one in particular that you look back with a little bit of pain, but more fondness that it really taught you a, a great lesson? Because I know when you mentioned when you were learning how to do video, uh, you had some goof ups and things, which are all part of the learning curve. So is there one in particular that stands out that you could share? Not with anything in regards to to video. Last winter, I was very happy because I 
was able to save enough money to buy my first uh, Porsche. I love Porsche, and I bought a first-generation Boxster. And it was kind of, kind of, I don't want to say gross, but it was a little tired. And so, with the help of my friend who runs a local restoration shop, we were able to fix her up nice and replace the IMS bearing and the clutch and the rear main seal and a couple of these things that everyone is afraid about with owning a first-generation uh, Boxster or a 996. I had it for a couple months, and then when it was back on the road, I had it for three days. And unfortunately, uh, I was in a storm, and I hydroplaned, and I hit a tree. Oh, oh no. And that was a, a really big shock to me. Um, I was, yeah. I was, yeah, yeah. I was injured and I, I broke my collarbone and I sprained my ankle oh and it gosh. was really, yeah, it was bad. It was, it was kind of jarring. And for me, it was almost embarrassing because at this point I had driven hundreds of vehicles and all different kinds of conditions. And, um, I was upset that, you know, here I am, I'm the idiot that, uh, crashed his sports car. And, you know, I was very upset with myself for a while and, you know, ultimately, I, I came to the realization that accidents do happen. And, you know, I, I was lucky that I wasn't fooling around or, or actively trying to, to do something stupid. And, you know, I, I could have lost my life and I, and I could have been a lot more injured than I than I was. So that took me a while to accept. And I actually took that negative and turned it into a, a positive. Doug Tabbitt, who runs Switch Cars Inc., he's a cannonball record holder. We had him on as a guest on our podcast. He posted a photo on his Instagram of an identical Boxster, and the engine of that car was already out. And I still had the engine and transmission from uh, my old car, along with the shell that is not so pretty to look at, but <laughs> I still had the shell. Trees and cars don't work together too well, do they? No, no, they don't. I, I discovered that they don't move. You see no, them no, move tre- in the wind, but when you no. hit them, they, they don't move. <laughs> Trees are very, very <laughs> solid. Yeah, exactly. So I saw the car and I called them and I said, hey, this is my situation. I saw the car. Uh you know, could you cut me a deal? Is there anything that could be done? And and he, he really liked my story. And um, he sold me the car, had the car shipped to Rhode Island. Um, it was shipped in a week. And then a week later, uh, my friend uh, Jarrett, who runs Revenant Motorsports in Rhode Island, was able to uh, do a direct transplant and do a couple tweaks here and there. But the car uh, was quickly on the road. And I've been driving it all summer and I continue to drive it and I've put about 7,000 miles on it over the last six months or so. And it's been a really good experience. And the biggest thing I could take away from it is to not in- underestimate your, your tires and to be appreciative of uh, being alive. But um, no, it's a good experience. You know, I, I'm, I'm not happy that it happened, but I'm happy that it kind of was able to kickstart my outlook on a lot of things, which was good. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, better in your car than driving someone else's car. Uh, that's another way to absolutely to look at it. As a, as a young absolutely. guy, I was into surfing, and I remember I really wanted this really nice surfboard that a friend had, and I asked him if I could borrow it, and of course, it broke. We were out on a, a, a rather big oh. day, and so I ended up having to buy him a new surfboard, and my dad 
remember at the time saying, you know, probably be better off just to save up and get your own and not borrow other people's stuff. Because now you have the pain of, you know, paying for a new board and you don't get, even get to have it. So, uh, well, I'm glad you're okay. Uh, yeah, trees are tough. Stay away from trees. Trees and cars don't play well together at all. No, they don't. <laughs> you know, I, I like to be a little bit of, of a car psychologist and crawl into your head a little bit. I'm wondering if you were reincarnated as a vehicle, uh, how you perceive yourself as a vehicle. What would you be and why? Uh, I, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I do like the the first generation Boxster, but I would say my ultimate dream would probably be a, a 996 GT3 RS. And I could kind of relate that to myself because I think that that car is kind of bold and I I would describe myself as as a little bold. And I think that that car, when it came out, it it didn't really, or maybe this is the 996, but it relates to the GT3 RS of that gen, is that it didn't really care um, what it looked like or how other people perceived it. It just kind of did a job and it did a job well. And I think that that relates to, to myself because I'm always just, I always keep pushing and I always keep going to the next thing and I'm always trying to, to better myself. And I, and I feel like, yeah, if I was a car, I'd be a 996 GT3 RS. Oh, 996. Okay, not a 993. I was going to say, you know, I, I had a 993, the last of the great air-cooled Porsches, a 4S. And uh, love that car. It was just a wonderful car. It was a great car. Daily driver. It was just great. Got to pick one up at the factory in 96 and drive it around Europe for two weeks. And uh, that was great fun as well. And it was in February. So the roads were a little little cold and icy. And car just did great. I think it's just absolutely spectacular. That's awesome. Yeah, great fun. How about a great book? We love books here. Is there a great book you'd like to share? I recently read Dirt Don't Slow You Down by (laughs) Magnus Magnus Walker. Walker. Yeah, yeah. 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 And what I like about Magnus is his story is just so fascinating. I mean, I don't really need to repeat it because I'm sure I'm sure you've heard it. But yeah, actually, when that book came out, he was a guest on the show here. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What I really admire about him is he doesn't worry about what other people think of him. And he has a lot of ideas and he's really good at making his ideas a reality. And I think his book is just so fascinating from the origin to where he is now, how one thing just snowballed into the next. And he talks about his gut instinct and following his gut instinct. And I can relate to that directly. I've I've made a lot of gut instinct decisions and it's a good way to to live and and to just keep going forward. I mean, he's, he's a very fascinating individual. Yeah, very unique guy for sure. I met him a long time ago. It was actually at works events, Porsche works events during car week. Nice. And uh, that's when I first nice. met him. And I've had him on the show here a couple times, which is pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, uh, and that's a great book. He always teases me because I'm, we're, I always say, Magnus, you're like a brother from another mother. We both love Porsches. I'm a big Porsche guy as well. But he couldn't be, he's like my antithesis. I mean, I have no hair. He has his long dreadlocks, right? Um, <laughs> he doesn't care about dirty cars. I am a clean car fanatic. So he always goes, Mark, Mark, don't let the dirt get you down, man. So. So, uh, yeah, we both have, uh, <laughs> we have we have some banters back and forth that way. So I'm going to take you on the ultimate drive today. I'm a bit of an enabler. I'm going to buy any car in the world for 
you, park it in your driveway, and let you take it anywhere you would like. And you can take anybody with you, including somebody from the past that's no longer with us, which opens up a wonderful world of a co-pilot and some wonderful conversation. What does the ultimate drive look like for a guy like you? Well, like you, I love I love Porsche. So I would either have to pick a, uh, a 997.2 GT3 RS, which I think is one of the best driving cars of the last 20 years, or a Ferrari 458 Speciale, which is also, in my opinion, one of the best driver's cars of the last 20 years. And as much as I would love to bring Valentino Rossi with me because he's my sporting idol, I think I would end up taking my dad because all the time that I spend with him, whether uh, riding motorcycles together or us taking um, my Boxster out for an afternoon and trying to find the ultimate local road or ultimate loop, I would love to, to take my dad because he's really the biggest inspiration in my life. And I think if we could go anywhere, it would have to be the Alps and of course. <laughs> um, really enjoy it all the all those roads and and uh let all of the italian stereotypes sing through the car <laughs> <laughs> but no i yeah probably a four five eight speciale yeah that would be fun maybe up and down the stelvio pass a couple times uh swapping seats i think you guys would have a, a great time beautiful yeah. part of the world to drive in i've been very fortunate to get to drive there a few times in some different interesting cars so that sounds like the ultimate drive to me You've taken us on a very nice drive today, and I'm so happy that we connected and you get to share your story here of what you're doing. Definitely living the dream when it comes to the concept of wrapping your passion into your life and your business. Could you leave us with maybe a success quote or some words of wisdom? I don't know about a quote, but I think some word of wisdom would be to never stop driving and to always be searching for the, the next road and the next uh, track day or whatever it is. I, I think there are a lot of people out there who have a lot of great vehicles that they really enjoy, but they enjoy looking at them and they don't actually enjoy, enjoy driving them. What I like is what Jerry Seinfeld said about when you get to heaven and you have the lowest mile Porsche, you lose. And he's <laughs> right. I mean, you should, you should drive your, you should drive your vehicles and you should enjoy them. And, not worry about, oh, you know, I don't want to go over 5,000 miles because it's going to diminish the value. I mean, ultimately, you're not going to take any of the vehicles with you when you're gone. So you might as well enjoy them while you can. And that's kind of my philosophy. I'm, I'm always finding an excuse to go to the track on my, on my motorcycle or, or take my boxer out or do whatever. I mean, that's what I live for. Well, I'm guilty of uh, making that error many times, and I can't tell you how many times I've sold a car that's just in perfect condition, and as the person has driven away, I've looked at my wife and said, why did I save my car for that person? I should have driven that thing more. <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah, 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 it's an affliction that I'm working hard on uh, breaking through. I, I hope I didn't call you out too hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. I need to be called out. Yeah, especially at this point in life. Get out and enjoy the road. Never stop driving, and uh, absolutely— 
You know, I do uh, always say, uh, I wish I could be more like Jay Leno in the sense that I remember his quote one time where he said, I like to buy 100-point cars, drive them down to 50 points, and restore them back to 100. He likes to drive Mm. his cars too. Now, he has a bigger checkbook than mine, so he can do that without any worry. He's got a whole staff that keeps his cars going. But you can do that at any level. Really, it's all about living life. And, And I love that about so many people, Italians I've met in particular, and I've traveled a lot around the world, uh, Italians have this zest for life, this approach to life that I think is very different than many other cultures, and I've always admired that very much. How can people learn more about Audrain Automobile Museum and Collections and uh, the wonderful videos that you and your team produce? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they could go to the AudrainAutoMuseum.org and or on YouTube, they can visit the Audrain Museum Network. And then uh, they can follow our Instagram and then also our uh, podcast page, which is in the driver's seat with ABS, ABS being Antonio, Ben, and Sean. And yeah, we have a lot of things going on. We post two to three videos a week. Uh, We have a lot of stuff that we post on social media with updates in the museum and our motorsport division and stuff that the, the podcast guys, myself included, are are working on and in our adventures and all the videos with Donald and Jay. So, I mean, there's a lot of content to consume. We've produced over 500 videos on our YouTube channel. All right. Bravo. There's probably a video in a car that can interest anyone who's, who's discovering the channel. Absolutely. I encourage you listeners to check it out. I'll put links to all of this on Antonio's show notes page and the Cars Yeah website, but Audrain is easy to find. You can just type yep. Google Audrain Museum and all of these will pop up. Go to their website, explore, look around, and enjoy the videos. I and do come enjoy. to the museum. Well, uh, more importantly, yeah, make a trip to uh, Rhode Island and do it in uh, late September when they're doing their week-long event because it is spectacular. Lots and lots of opportunities. Antonio, Grazie for being so generous today with your time, (laughs) your expertise, and for sharing your experiences and how you figured out how to live the amazing life you live. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. I really really enjoyed this. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.